Do you have a film that you have never seen that is considered a classic? Have you been berated by friends or colleagues for not having seen such seminal celluloid sequences uh, from The Wizard of Oz, Star Wars, or The Godfather? Or are you a proponent of the silver screen, ceaselessly badgering your less film-literate associates that they need to see Blade Runner or Citizen Kane? In either case, this is the podcast for you. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I am your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast. Every episode, we will review a classic or influential film with someone who has seen it and someone who has not. We ask the guest who has seen the film what they liked or disliked about it from previous viewings, as well as asking our guest who hasn't seen the film what they're expecting from it. We then pause recording here to go watch the film and return to the microphones as soon as the credits roll to discuss our reactions. So, joining me today are two people who uh, have or have not been exposed to the film in question. Uh, The film in question we are looking at for this pilot episode is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, from the director of Blade, according to the DVD box. So, joining me uh, on my left, uh, someone who has not seen the film, it is uh, Ellen Sears. Uh, Hello, Ellen. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm tired, but, you know, that's nothing new. That's perfectly fine. (laughs) Now, uh, just for the people at home, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. uh... Um, I am a PhD student currently in the last six months of writing my thesis, looking at the role of dance in musical theatre. When I'm not doing that, I do acting jobs and I teach dancing. Excellent. And have you or have you not seen The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I have not seen the film, or at least definitely not the whole thing. I feel like I may have caught like the tail end, possibly, but I don't remember. It might have been another film. Okay. I don't know. And joining us, uh, sitting to my right, is uh, Sarah Curtis. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Well, I'm not tired. Mm. I'm fantastic. Good. That's that's good to hear. And uh, you have seen The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. A very long time ago, so let's see what I remember. Okay, and just tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm also a PhD student, and I um, am doing lyrics and musical theatre. I also teach English, history, religious education, and theatre as much as I can. Excellent. So, yes, the film in question, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, for the uninitiated, uh, a reading from the back of the DVD box tells us that... A hunter, a scientist, a vampire, an invisible man, an immortal, a spy, a beast. When a masked madman known as the Phantom, spelt with an F, threatens to launch global Armageddon, Armageddon even, sorry, sorry, I read the G's upside down then, legendary adventurer Alan Quatermain commands a legion of superheroes, the likes of which mankind has never seen. Now, despite fighting their own personal demons and each other, they must join forces to save the world. So, uh, that's what we're in for. Um, we'll start with you, Ellen, as you haven't seen the film. Mm. Um, what, what, what do you know of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, or Toloeg, um, as I'll be calling it for short? And, um, Please don't. Okay. Please don't do that. But okay. It's my favourite, okay. Toloeg. Um, what, are you, um, what, what do you know of the film? Sean Connery's in it. Mm-hmm. And now I know that there's like supernatural stuff and probably action sequences. Cool. That's that's about it. So you've had no exposure to this at all? Probably not, except, like I said, I think I may have seen like the last 10 or 15 minutes one time on TV, but I don't know if I have or if that was another film that I'm just confusing with this one. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Sarah, as you have seen the film, uh, even though admittedly it was a long time ago, um, obviously at this stage in the program we're trying not to um, spoil anything or give anything away, Uh, but what do you uh, sort of recall of the film? Was it a, a positive experience watching it? Well, I recall I spent eight ninety nine at Sanity for it, so um, it must have been worth its dollars. Well, I, well, I believe that you may have bought it as part of a three for twenty dollar deal based on the other sticker on the box. So. Well, you never know. Who remembers these sorts of things? Ha 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 ha. Okay, what do I remember about it? Um, I, I think it was a lot of silly fun. I remember at the time it got a lot of flack. Um, not many people enjoyed this film. It seems to sort of be one of the first of the big let's get all of our favourite characters together and put them in one big film franchise, Mm -hmm. but just not as well-known or as well-received as perhaps The Avengers. 
Okay, now that's that's so fair. like this is like the crap version of the Avengers. Is yeah, what you're it's a precursor. Me. Well, I cool. mean, if you look at it, because this was early two thousands, like two thousand and two. Good believe, times, good years. Time. But you look at that. <laughs> yeah, in no, terms... I was fourteen. That was a dreadful year. But but when you look at like successful superhero films, yeah. like a lot of people look at it and kind of go, well, it all sort of started with with Iron Man, really, in terms of the modern wave. Yeah. At that time, there was really only the. What year was t- that released? That was two thousand and seven or eight. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I I know that uh, at that point the first of the. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films was out yes and that was very well received um, and I'd be curious actually to go back and look at that and see how it holds up um, I haven't seen The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen um, the only thing I remember because it was advertised quite a lot I was living in the UK at the time the only thing I really remember is that there is um, an invisible man in it because yeah. they ha- that was they obviously they had the effect of just like a floating hat above a coat and things like that that's right that would have tickled you Yes. Yes. Well, they were looking. Yeah, it was cool. You know, the, I always love jokes with like invisible characters, like in Hotel Transylvania, where David Spade plays an invisible man, and you only ever really see like a pair of glasses. Just wandering around. Just wandering does that around. mean he's naked? Like, if you're invisible, it doesn't make your clothes invisible, does it? I. I guess it depends on what like magic system yeah. you're looking at here I mean, or I'm, why I, from, you're invisible? From based on the cover which has a lot of people looking kind of broody but all like ridiculously different sizes compared to one another um, I'm guessing that the invisible man needs to be wearing clothes otherwise he would be naked because it's a coat it's gloves I seem to recall though a scene in the snow where they're complaining about the cold and I swear one of them was naked because the cold was making things really hard for him Pun intended. Now, see, that would be really bad if you were like an invisible lady because if you couldn't wear a sports bra without people being able to see you and you had to run Action somewhere, sequences. that would be so bad. You'd like be knocking yourself out with your boobs as you ran. Well, maybe the invisible lady would perhaps have to approach like a more stealthy approach, particularly if she was... She could wear glad wrapper on her chest. It'd still be floating glad wrap though. Yeah, it would like, but it would be less, it'd, be, it'd be less visible than like a bright pink like sports bra. That's true, but if 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 I'm you, asking the real questions here, if the invisible woman was particularly well endowed, perhaps she would be better suited to a more sort of stealthy approach where running isn't required. So that might and plus being invisible that may help. Is it bad that my brain just went up to like I would just going up to people and just like slapping them? Oh god! That's a lot of water onto a power pack. You Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, can you grab a cloth, please? That's probably a good idea. Yeah. This is why we have the microphones on stand. Sorry, for those of you who aren't here, uh, Ellen went to try and explain a point, and in doing so, spilt about half a litre of water onto a table. <laughs> it wasn't half a litre of water, it was just a cup load. Well, enough that it went straight onto a, a laptop power pack. That. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sarah, for being at your own house and knowing where the cloths are I'm a superhero of this story. You certainly are. So... This um, is a fun tablecloth. This tablecloth doesn't like absorbing water. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah with that uh, inauspicious start, <laughs> I'm proposing that we stop recording That's here. That's probably a good idea. Okay, I've got one more point to make. Oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that all the electrics aren't going to... I mean, the the power pack is fine. Uh, Recording is still going well. Sorry. No, that's fine. Just you're not allowed fluids ever again. You're fired. Um, Make your point, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was thinking, um, you mentioned that this was a 2002 (laughs) film, and I'm pretty certain, we might have to look this up, but I'm pretty certain this is the film that Sean Connery um, took after saying no to Lord of the Rings. And this is also the film that ruined his career. Congratulations. Well done. Um, Good move as an actor. Mm. Possibly. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can certainly look into that uh, once we've watched the film. So we're going to stop recording now. Um, Ellen, I'm keeping the microphone away from her while she cleans up. Mops up the table. Yeah, so uh, we're going to stop here and we'll be back after watching The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. For those of you at home, uh, pause the podcast now, grab your own copy of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, watch it. 899 at Sanity. 899 at Sanity, yes. And. Uh, as soon as the credits roll, hit play, and we will begin discussing the film that is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, we've just finished watching The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, joining me again are Ellen and Sarah. Uh, initial thoughts, everyone. Uh, we'll go to Ellen first because you hadn't seen the film before. Uh, your initial thoughts 
having literally just finished watching The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I didn't like the font. <laughs> Anybody who knows me well will, will understand that. I'm a bit of a font nerd and I didn't like the font. And I don't care if this film was made in... When was it made? 2002? Roughly, yeah. Okay, I don't care if this film was made in 2002. They should have had a better font. I didn't like the copper plate. It just didn't do anything for me and it annoyed me. I like that you know what it's called just from memory. It's a copper plate type of font. I don't know if it is copper plate gothic, but that's what it looks like, which means that it's some sort of copper plate thing. And it's probably something to do with like uh, late 1800s typography, but I don't care because they bolded it and they shouldn't have. And that's all I have to say right now. Because in the Victorian era, they weren't that bold. That was your initial reaction to the 2003 fantasy action film. Oh, 2003. I had better fonts in 2003 (laughs) than these people did. Sorry, I'm just pulling, I've just pulled up some information on the film um i i, I will be uh, scrolling through as we go just having a look funny and interesting things okay yeah. and the other thing is is that i saw like maybe 10 minutes of this i think at some point when i was probably a teenager being as it came out in 2003 um i definitely saw the bit where they like stepped onto the nautilus i must have flashed past it on tv and gone this looks dumb and just left it um and i possibly saw the last bit um not the last bit but the bit with like um Jekyll doing his thing with the other guy who was munching down on his serum. So, stop giggling. Uh, giggling silently. Yeah. Um, How do you not? I can hear you. Sarah, having uh, seen the film before and re-watching it, what, were your, what are your initial thoughts on revisiting the, the, uh, the film? I am older and wiser. Did you enjoy it when you first saw it? Uh, well, I wouldn't say enjoy, such as it was not bad when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And, this... and now it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know a lot more about film these days. I'm no longer a kid. Because mm-hmm. um, 2003, I would have been 11 mm-hmm. when it came out. So, you know, I, I know a lot more about tropes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this film had a lot of them. Well, my first page is... We took notes, by the way. The... They, yeah, my took, first page they took notes. notes. I didn't take notes. I mm. just sat there and watched We it. have newspaper trope. We have the worst police trope. We have bad dialogue trope. We have cool guys walking from explosions trope. Mm. We have mistaken identity trope. Yep. We have a German spy trope. Mm-hmm. We have... Nazis who aren't Nazis. Yeah, Nazi trope. We have the unlocked tragic backstory trope. Yep. Um, we have the sexism trope. Yep. Mm. I think that one's going to be on a lot of films that we watch. And racism <laughs> trope. Um, From the early 2000s, yeah. We have the Gollum Smeagol trope. Yeah, I wanted to come on to that one. That's in my notes. We, well. have, yeah, the, we, we, we have the the vampire trope, which is everybody is wearing bondage BDSM gear if you're a vampire. Bad guy monologuing trope. Yep. Times two. Mm-hmm. Uh, fake disguise trope. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, shit guard trope. So lots and lots of tropes. Yeah, that's not even half my tropes. Yeah, so a lot of tropes. Um, I hadn't seen the film before either, and watching it for the first time, I I, I sort of felt that it it's really not a great film, but it's it's sort of like a first attempt at something like an Avengers thing. I, I think partly mm. one of the one of the things I ended up writing down is that because this is based off a comic book series by Alan Moore. Mm. Um, a graphic a, novel. A graphic novel, my apologies. Graphic novel. Sorry. Somebody didn't read the titles at the beginning. Get it right. Jeez. Graphic wow. novel. Okay, well... Blair will kill you. Okay. If well. you confuse them. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Um, the... I, I don't feel it was perhaps suited to a 100-minute film, trying to condense what is probably yeah. like a very long arcing story into such a short uh, time frame. Um, I mean, you get to meet the characters, but you never get to great get to spend any great amount of time with any of them. It's a great TV show. Yeah, that was what Netflix, I was thinking. Netflix, I hope you're listening to this. Yeah, no, it would. It would be, it would be probably better suited to that sort of thing. Um, Maybe a bit more. I think part of the problem as well is that if you're looking at that compared to, because it, it, it does a similar thing to what Penny Dreadful did, which was we're going to take all of these sort of classic horror people, Jekyll and Hyde and... Um, Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and all these people and kind of put them in the same room, Dorian Gray, put them all in the same sort of universe and watch them play. Um, and, you know, in this case, you've got sort of Captain Nemo. And well, it's interesting how many other things they referenced that weren't within the main plot. 
like yeah. um, stuff that I just wrote down. Um, they referenced King Solomon's Mines. Mm-hmm. Um, they referenced The Three Musketeers, Robin Hood, Zorro. But my, my, my issue with a lot of the references was that they were referencing them in a way where it was just like, it, it's the same way. Nod, that nod, wink, wink. It was more like, this is the thing, but not using it. It's a bit like how the Big Bang Theory as a TV show isn't yeah. funny because all it does is it goes, you know, like Star Trek. And then people go, oh, 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 oh that kind of thing. This was kind of like, I'm going to make a, a Sherlock Holmes reference and mm. now I'm going to make a Shakespeare reference and now we're going to reference King Solomon's Mines. And, and I'm going to think that I'm really clever, but the people watching are going to go, yeah, but, but, you've kind of put a bit too much in here, yeah. maybe. And it's not done in a clever or subtle way. Yeah, because one of the things I ended up writing down was that they could have renamed this thing Six Classic Characters in Search of a Plot. <laughs> really what it felt like. Yes, it, that's 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 a fun reference. Go look that up. Yeah, it was, but, no, but that's just it. It was like you had Alan Quartermain who I presume isn't from anything, or at least not anything I've heard of. I think. Well, he was... we that's the big um, James Bond reference because they did a lot of referencing to James Bond. Yeah. The way Master. they film, filmed M. it, yeah. um, the way they were shooting guns, the way he was leaning sexily on the side while drinking. Yeah. They had Q, they had so M. So he was basically James Bond, but not in name. James yeah. James Bond in Victorian times with all of the famous monsters from literature yeah. and but, all of the literary references. Yeah. But the rest, it was just, you know, oh, look, here's Captain Nemo. And it's kind of like, you don't need backstory for Captain Nemo because you know who Captain Nemo is. Because we all know all of their backstories. Yeah. And can we talk about the submarine? We'll get onto the submarine. The submarine's definitely there. The just, submarine is the other thing that made me kind of angry. Just but. just, just very quickly, um, just looking through this. So the general ratings from uh, the yeah. internet... IMDb's overall rating is 5.8 out of 10. That That's the best of the three ratings. Wow. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has given it a 17% rating. <laughs> wow. And Metacritic, which is lots of different critic things combined, it generally comes to about 30%, a 3 out of 10 film. I don't think it's that bad, but I don't think it's much better. You know, no, it's, it's, it's one of those it's maybe like a, like a solid 4 or but the 5 thing is, out of 10, maybe. Going back to what Sarah said, though, I could see watching this, had I been like 11 or 12, watching it and really enjoying it, because it's like, what would happen if you threw like Jekyll and Hyde and a vampire together? And oh, that's kind of, yeah, that kind of thing. I could see it being exciting and fun. My problem is, is that now I've seen Penny Dreadful, who did it a lot better, or at least in the few episodes that I've seen, I haven't seen all of it, I Mm. hasten to add. They kind of did it a lot better. And I think part of what was missing for me in this was, and as you were saying, because I was sort of joking about, there's very little fake blood in this, except for when it's related to the vampire, which kind of makes sense, because otherwise you end up with just blood everywhere. Yeah. But I felt like it wasn't great enough i was looking at like the costume distressing and the um the set dressing and things like that and going these are meant to look more distressed than they actually are it all seemed a little bit too clean and mm. if you want the pretty version go watch once upon a time yeah pretty where much all these characters have rocked pretty up much. at some stage or other yeah this is kind of like an in-between point between like super friendly family movie and something like R-rated. Scare the kids, but not too much. Yeah, pretty much. It was kind of like an interesting middle ground, but I felt like it would have benefited from maybe just a little bit more grittiness. I feel like that would really... Like, if you if you remade it now as like a Netflix original series or whatever, I feel like they would probably go a lot sort of darker and grittier, and I think it would really suit that. And you could still have your little cheesy references and things like that, but I feel like it, I feel like it could be done a lot better now because like mm. the concept is a cool one yeah yeah no, I, th- I, th- I certainly think um it's something that could definitely be done better but i think it was you know it was one of those first films as we were saying in the preview thing you know yeah. there weren't that many superhero films around that have been really well done i mean superhero films if you go back like and think of the ones that were successful in the 20th century you're looking at christopher reeve superman films mm. the michael keaton batmans yeah that's kind of about it and then it, you literally had just had toby Maguire's first spider-man or the first two spider well also out. speaking you know for society we weren't quite i don't think ready for that sort of film because a lot of the times we turn to superhero films these days because the world around us is so awful it's a sort of escapism someone's going to come and save the day while we trash the world Um, and even though the world was going in a rather horrible direction in the early 2000s we hadn't quite reached the point where we suddenly decided to surrender our will to the superheroes and hope they would save us i think it's interesting as well because 
if you look at when it was filmed and when it was released, you're looking at it's coming fresh off the back of sort of the success of Lord of the Rings and that kind of and fantasy they referenced thing. it so many times. They visually. referenced it so many times. I was like, oh, that's a yep, that's a reference. That's a reference. That's a reference. Like a lot of like the way that they shot things, a lot of like the set stuff. Well, my first and, um, one of my first comments in my notes was Nazi orcs because the way they were yeah. talking was very orcish. Yeah, I mean, okay, I will say though, opening of the film, I really like the stuff with the tank. Just a tank. That was like, fun. That was a practical effect done well. Of, yeah. We've built this set. Mm, let's drive that. a tank through it. And I, you know what? I really enjoyed that. And yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the practical effects they did. Obviously, yeah. the CGI effects in some areas, most areas, look quite dated. Uh, but that's because they are. This film is uh, 14 years old at the time of recording. So, uh. y- you know, it's it's like things like the Invisible Man when he's applying the face cream yeah. look dated uh, and uh, it doesn't quite match up to when he's just mm. the actor with the white face paint on. Do you know what though? That was like some cutting edge stuff for 2003. Like I was looking mm. at it and thinking like, yeah, like I could see this like yeah. as, as like watching a film in that yeah. time period, I would have been like, yeah, like this is quite comparable. That's what I think Hyde holds up quite well. Mm, yeah, was an interesting effect. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah, like I mean, I did, that that one held up quite well, even though he did look like a buff golem. That was that was and like a lot of the talking to re- the reflection stuff. I thought, yeah, yeah, that that held up, but other bits not so much. So it was interesting seeing which which effects. And then the other work. guy who like towards the end and spoilers by the way. Um, uh, we're the presuming other, they yeah, paused and watched. We're the presuming film. that you watched the film. If you yeah. didn't, then. Pfft. Um, the guy who downs like that massive, massive vial yeah. of the of the serum, yeah. and then basically turns into like Red Skull crossed with Jekyll and Hyde, and you might not get that one because you. I know Red Skull. Uh, yeah, but like specifically the the movie like ver- like the version from the the like, Captain America version. Yeah, the Captain America version. For those listening Recent at home, one. I have not watched any Marvel films. We're going to get to them. They are on the list. With the exception of Guardians of or to the Galaxy. Are they Guardians of the Galaxy? Guardians of the Galaxy. Why would you be Guardians to the Galaxy? I don't know, but I have seen that one. Um, And I I had a similar problem with with, uh, Ghost in the Shell or Ghost in a Shell. I couldn't remember which one it was. In the Shell. Yeah. You also haven't seen the Indiana Jones films. We'll get on to... Except for that one that you fell asleep in. But let's not talk about... Let's not bicker and argue over what films and we haven't watched and things. Let's just actually talk about this one. Yeah, we will actually get on to all of those films as we go yes so we will be good um i also really I, I just wrote down great facial hair like just in the bar yeah there was the yeah in the bars there was some good mutton chops yeah great mutton chops good mustaches good period appropriate mustaches and yeah stuff just yeah. just generally i thought that i was liked good. that bar i would go there for a drink as so long as they had aircon. they had facial hair that was appropriate to the era and yet they had things like gps at the same time well i suppose that's the yeah. other thing that's interesting about this because it's kind of steampunk but it's not enough steampunk to be steampunky. Like, yeah. can you look that up actually? When did steampunk start getting really big? Well, um, I know that the comic itself was first released in '99, according to uh, something I was. That's very quick for before. a film. That's very fast for a One film. One second, let me just have a quick looky loo. But yeah, um, I'm just thinking. Yeah, the, the series yeah. began in 1999. It's technically still in publication. Um, so yeah, it began in '99. Obviously, but the sequel that they set up will never happen. Yeah, because. So, this movie was not super great. Yeah, Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill, um, Kevin O'Neill being the artist and Alan Moore being uh, the writer. Yeah. Um, it first was released in 99. So this film came f- out four years after the first uh, publication of the series. They must have been like, man, this is going to make so much money. Possibly. It's well, I mean, it is, so it, well, they it's were ahead. So great. Yeah, they were. They probably, yeah, they were. They were like, you know what? Let's look at this. Let's take this comic property. Because at the time, you have to remember, a lot of the comic book properties were X-Men was out as well. Just That's remember. a good point. But X-Men, yeah. the X-Men and Spider-Man, the Spider-Man, the Spider-Man was owned mm. by Fox and Sony, respectively. You know, Marvel, yeah. this was pre-Marvel being bought up by Disney and Disney just churning out superhero film and after going, superhero film. I'm going to make film. the thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, you know, the Batman films, they they sort of seen George Clooney with the bat nipples and gone, let's just leave it for a while. You know, so that, <laughs> that's sort of where we were at um, with, with the superhero films. So, you know, I mean, th- this came out, um, we had Daredevil, the film that came out and didn't work, but then has worked as a TV series. Yeah. Uh, Catwoman would come out the next year. That was also that not was a particularly interesting great film. film. That was dreadful. From what uh, I, I haven't <laughs> actually seen it, so you can add that to the superhero list that I haven't actually we seen. But yeah, Catwoman. We won't. <laughs> but that's just it. There's, wow. a, there's a lot of uh, films from it's this time period a... which just didn't quite work yeah. but were laying the groundwork for what would eventually um... Disney would come in and capitalise on which happens yeah. a lot good Pretty on much. you Disney we love you but at also least they you're... do it well well we mm. love you Disney but also you kind of you kind of scare me a little bit mm. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so we had that. Uh, dialogue throughout the film, I thought, was a bit meh. It was just what Yeah, it was a bit crap. Yeah, the dialogue. I have a lot of notes saying, why is this dialogue happening? Bad dialogue is happening here. Oh, God, mm. why the dialogue? It yeah. was literally just a lot of, like, let's make all the references and all the puns and just look really smug while we're doing it. Mm. Yeah, the dialogue was not super great. It's kind of like if this was a musical, it would be like, oh, well, the songs and stuff were really good and the fight sequence was really good, but the book was crap. Like, you know, just... Mm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the dialogue was that. Um, I would also like to know, this was just a hypothetical that popped in a few minutes in, mm. which former James Bond actors would have potentially been better than Sean Connery or was Sean Connery <laughs> the best one? Like, can you imagine Roger Moore? <laughs> Like a like a late sixties Roger Moore just being wow. like, it could be interesting. Yeah. What about past or present Bond? Well, uh, this be... is an interesting question. We should keep this. Yeah. Well, it they... should be like if you could cast any guy who's played James Bond in the male white protagonist role in this movie, well, who I, would it be? Well, specifically just for this film because it was clearly, because it was yeah. it was clearly a James Bond guy. So at this point, uh, we can have... we remake this with Daniel Craig? Well, that's just it. We yes. haven't had Daniel Craig at this point. Maybe Daniel Craig would I work. I mean, it has to be an older statesman. You couldn't have had Pierce Brosnan because at the time he was Bond. He was about he to was still a baby. Bond. Um, so he wasn't quite. He was still young and good looking. Old enough. And... Would, you know, Tim... He's always good looking. Timothy... Is he? How dare? I don't. I don't care about Pierce Brosnan, but okay. Okay, uh, Timothy Dalton maybe. <laughs> Could be interesting. George that? Lazenby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think Sean Connery... I like this question. I think Sean Connery was possibly the best choice, but occasionally I'd be watching the film and just thinking, would Roger Moore, would this make it better or really bad? And most of I the don't time, think anything could make this film better. If it got remade by Netflix and had lots of blood and gore. As a TV series, perhaps. Yeah, and it would be sick. But it would be yeah. completely different. I think yeah, part, it'd be part, totally part different. of the issue is that it was just a really hard film to produce. The director, oh, yeah. uh, Stephen Norrington... Um, has, and after this film said he'd never direct again and to date still hasn't um, and he and Sean Connery and Sean Connery stopped making films after this is that right? not long after yeah he Aww. pretty much stopped Sean Connery had a particularly bad working relationship with the director though Norrington Norrington didn't attend the opening party oh wow um, when Connery was asked where he could be he said he's probably checked into the local asylum or something of that ilk so, oh my god yeah they, they apparently I love Sean Connery's yeah, sass they did not what a babe. get along apparently that's so, funny yeah, um, that's that's kind of a sad thing. And and, and before this, um, we were discussing. Uh, Sarah had mentioned the fact that Connery did this instead of Lord of the Rings. Um, I would regret that life choice. Well, no, I, what I did is I looked. I looked I into it. It's not quite. Well, if I was the actor, not quite oh, the, right I was the actor. I um, Connery had been offered roles in both The Matrix and The Fellowship of the Ring. And did it, he get offered like Morpheus or something? Probably. I think it was something yeah. along those oh, lines. Oh man, but Lawrence Fishburne is so yeah. good. Will you take the red pill or the blue pill? <laughs> Neo, what's going to be your choice? Mr. Baggins. I am Morpheus. Yeah, like, well, he has the lisp, which yeah. uh, Ian McKellen yeah. doesn't have. A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He would have been interesting as Gandalf. Mr. Baggins. But I just can't imagine anybody but Serene, because he's Sir Ian, and mm. he's beautiful. But, uh, anyway. but yeah, Connery was offered those roles, but yeah. he, but didn't understand the script, so he turned them down. And then after seeing both of those films do Went, so well, well, he crap. said, right, the next script that I'm offered that I don't get, I'm going to take. And he was offered The League of Extraordinary Oh Gentlemen. no, yeah. this is like when I read Twilight, because everybody was like, these are amazing. And the last time I went, just because everyone else thinks he's amazing, doesn't mean I'm going to. It was Harry Potter, which I loved. And so I was like, I'll give Twilight a chance. And then was like, I regret everything. Yeah. Just why stick to your guns. Why did I read these books? If you don't mm. get a role, don't take it. And then, you know, the next person will do much better with it anyway. Mm. So plus points from the film, because I think there are a couple. There was a great rad Western reference at the end, which I laughed loudly at. That one one was pretty good. Yeah. Could you want to just explain it? Um, God, what's his name? Tom Sawyer, right at the end, said um, the phrase, what's next, which is the catchphrase on the West Wing, which was a very popular TV series at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh Aha. Sarah is a big fan of the West Wing, for those of you. So anytime she is on, there will almost certainly be references to the West Wing. And Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Wings will be referenced. <laughs> um, oh, that was good. So yeah, I one of the plus points. I think if you like libraries, particularly looking at libraries, this no, film, but they all get no, destroyed. No, 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 but 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 you can pause the film before then and just look at the and various go, it's shots. It's pretty, but look go. at the look at the advantageous points where people can shoot the people in the gallery below. Also, let's watch books get shot, except then have pages come from the ceiling when there's no books up in the Imagine ceiling. Imagine being that person. Like, I wonder if that was in the credits, like book flappers and like. People who were just so they're from the twenties. Shit, if they're a book flapper, like people who people who were just like dropping like chunks of paper and like 
the snow just like sitting outside the windows with like big sieves. Like, I feel like I'd do well with that job because I'd make snow. sure the book leaves actually came from near the books where they were shot rather than randomly from the ceiling. They're all just ricocheting off each other. And also you have really bad shoulders, so that would not work well for you. Gravity-defying books. That is not a good job for you. Anyway, mm, no, that's... I need to think of a good point now, don't I? No, no, that's perfectly fine. Um, well, well, okay. you, well, you guys both did, and I didn't say a good thing, so I should probably say a good thing, and not a lot are actually okay, coming well, to my well, brain. Okay, well, so. let's move on to the submarine, because you were going to talk about the submarine. The um, submarine was really pretty, but completely improbable. It was way too big, and like, I'm okay, I'm not an engineer, like, I'm a dance teacher, but even I was looking at it, and I'm pretty sure one of the few scenes that I actually saw when it was on TV, and it, like, flash past at some point and I, I I'm pretty sure this is the bit that I saw the bit where the submarine popped up for the first time and I was like if something that big was displacing that much water that quickly like all of the docks would have just fallen to bits because the mm. water displacement would have just like physics come on movie get your science right geez and I'm not even a science person and even I'm going no that is not how water and physics works yeah no. bas- basically any scene where we were outside the submarine was pretty much just like just leave your brain at the door more I mean, or less you know what th- th- that's that's sort of okay for these films you know this wasn't oh, this wasn't mm. the hunt for red october although uh, by the way can we have uh, like when an actor gets to the end of their career just put them in a film that references every film they're in because it was like a big yeah, summation it was, of sean it? connery's thing it was all the bond there was bits of like his relationship with um indiana jones in the last crusade and everything that he was wearing i was like oh hello yeah so yeah, I, I really hope that, like, like say, for example, if, like... Really it, goddamn hate Nazis, even if they're fake Nazis. Like, yeah. Punch like, them in the face. Yeah, if Ian McKellen is like, I'm going to do one more film and that's it, they just put in all the references to Magneto and to uh, Lord of the Rings and things like that. I think that would be a good way to go. Because mm. um, I think that that, that that was actually really quite fun, seeing all the references. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the design of Nautilus was really pretty. Mm. And I was like, this is really cool. And, like, even the way that it worked, like, its, it's engines and stuff, like, that was all real cool. Yeah. Um, and kind of steampunky and awesome, but yeah, I feel like if they were going to go for the steampunk thing, they should have just like like gone for it, mm-hmm. really gone for it. Well, I mean, I I I liked a lot of the design elements. I liked how the fact mm. that the 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 car that they had as well matched. That was the, pretty. It, it the was Go-Go pretty. Mobile. The Go-Go yeah, Mobile. Yeah, it, it matched. Was it actually called the Go-Go Mobile? No. Okay, so there's a bit of a story behind this. So <laughs> back in just around the time this film was released um, was when I actually watched television as a child. I do not watch it anymore. But one of the ads that was out at the time was the Go-Go Mobile ad where oh. um, they were advertising. It was like RAC or something. And yes. they had um, this voiceover say, G mobile. And so that ad was in my head as a kid as I watched this film. So whenever the car came on, that's what I said. And I'd forgotten about it until the car came on screen watching and you it were like, and I said it. You had like a flashback to your childhood. <laughs> yep. And I was like, oh, there comes a memory. PTSD mm. flashbacks to an RAC ad. Yeah. We should probably point out we're recording in Australia uh, for those yeah. of you who aren't there. We do have notes about Australia references. Can, uh, we, can we talk about them now? Well, I just wanted to finish off oh, on the submarine. Um, I when it anytime it appeared in a dock the, the not only the water displacement but like i don't think any of the docks that were in were deep enough for us oh craft and also size. every time it was in venice and you were yes. like that wouldn't work i've been to venice i've been to venice and i've like you did what my dad did in the sherlock holmes film that's yeah. not the scotland yard graveyard like you did. well maybe not to the extent of detail like your father knowing what the scotland yard graveyard looks like but i'll have to tell that story in another podcast probably when we do that yeah when we when do the sherlock do that, holmes films. when we do that film but yeah the um God the um yeah the dock not being deep enough like the east london docks maybe maybe deep enough but i'm not 100 percent certain maybe it like digs it out but venice definitely not like there's there's maybe like pointy. i don't think there's any of the thoroughfares in venice that you could put a submarine of that size in and not cause like structural well, issues to be fair the only reason we knew where we were in the film was because of all of the title cards that yeah. they very nicely put in up the for bad us. font that in I the bad font like. telling us this is venice this is the east london dockyards it's yeah. like thank you although that. i did also write down this film was still better than suicide squad uh that's that's just it, it well, did, it did feel seen it. kind of like suicide squad i watched it on a plane recently or rogue one. Oh, you did watch it yeah um ah. and i i the hollywood I, the hollywood um parody of suicide squad is pretty good the makeup is as good as it was in the film and i'm like that one an oscar that's scary anyway i thought that the um suicide squad film was it suffered from some of the similar problems to this one where we just didn't explain these characters they just sort of just yeah, expected, too many people crammed into too small yeah space. expected the audience to know everyone and really the only sort of like well i say heroes like characters that i knew about going into it were 
Harley Quinn and the Joker. So mm. it, it, it suffered from a similar problem where I feel somebody might have come into this and known maybe the Invisible Man, but not known like Captain Nemo. Yeah, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, speaking of the Invisible Man, um, they never actually refer to him as the Invisible Man because they didn't have the literary rights for the character, 20th Century Fox. <laughs> Um, not only did this necessitate that the character in the film uh, had to have his name changed from the book, um, but he could never be referred to as the Invisible Man. He was only ever referred to as an, an Invisible, Invisible Man. Man. Yeah, that's a great loophole. Yeah, so th- see, that's... word choice—it's important. It is, um, and yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Um, where did the fruit bowl go as well? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So there's a bit where they're like hanging out on top of the submarine, mm. like, as you do. They're hanging out on the Nautilus, and then it's like we're going to dive in a minute, and they're having big D and M's and stuff. And, and we Nina, see we see Dorian, Nina Gray. and Dorian Gray are like yeah. hanging out, and Dorian Gray goes to grab like a banana out of a fruit bowl because I don't know it's phallic. I don't know if you grabbed the he, banana. He, he got a what grape. did he grab? He the, got the, a grape. The banana's in there. Oh, of but course he got, he a, got grape. a grape. What a pretentious wanker. Anyway, <laughs> anyone who eats grapes is now a pretentious wanker. Yeah. Peel me a grape. Like that's that's kind of the connotations there. It's yeah. just okay, Cleopatra. What? I love Cleopatra. Anyway. Anyway. The fruit bowl. So there's a fruit bowl. And then they're like, we're going to go down below. And suddenly it's aerial shots. And I'm like, who picked up the fruit bowl? Where did the fruit bowl go? A magical Magic. disappearing fruit bowl who was on continuity. You suck. I, I like to think that um, Skinner, the invisible man, just sorry, came, an invisible man, an invisible was, man was on top of the submarine. And, like, and he just like went over it. So he it probably also it had strings, like all of the tables. Yeah. So yeah, there's a bit in uh, the film where there is uh, explosions on the submarine yeah. and the table rocks to the side. But in one of the shots, it looks quite clearly like there are ropes attached, making it be. The Ooh. other thing that made me really angry about the submarine is that, the like, I, yeah, no, no, not just the vase, but just the lack of having things actually, like, how, how, like, talk about hubris, like, oh, why did all our tables and chairs on our submarine fall over when we had a big explosion? Oh, maybe because we didn't nail them to the floor. Like, I've been inside like World War Two submarines and stuff in Pearl Harbor. Like, dude. No, this is not how you submarine. Or maybe but, those submarines had learnt their lesson. Yeah, and that's just oh. it. This is this is eighteen ninety nine, and these these Victorian like submarine, this submarine pioneers. This submarine is bigger than the Titanic. Yeah, but these pioneers, right? Probably were just like, oh, now we have learned. Not to make them really, yeah. really big. No, and no, no. We have to now they crack down learned, so that our expensive Ming vases. They've probably learned that submarines. Um, can't have loose furniture in them because they're going to get thrown about. They probably didn't know this at the time. So, yeah, Science. but it's 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 things of learning. You know, it's like, oh, does this work? Well, it sort of works, but maybe if we don't have crockery on board, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the well, speaking of learning and 1899, oh. if you have a look at the maps, yeah, yeah. they have some incorrect country names on the map looking yep. at Australia, which didn't exist as a country at this time because it had not yet been federated. Because it was 1899 and we didn't federate until 1901. So it so... wouldn't have been referred to as Australia at nope. this point nope. on a map. Possibly. I mean, it was in the process of federation. Um, so it's entirely possible that they may have just gone, ah, it's going to be called Australia. We'll just put that on the map. But you're right. I, we did look at that and go, oh, uh... hold the proverbial phone. That That seems incorrect but yeah australia hadn't been federated at that point mm. so it was interesting seeing that on a map the map like, turned up and we all just went um it's 1899 that's wrong that's wrong and how the thing is is that maps were really expensive mm-hmm. so like even if you're going oh they just got a brand new map well unless they're getting like brand new maps like every other month because there were still like discoveries and things and borders changing and da di da di da. Yeah, so, and it looked far too modern a map. Like yeah. everything was very well set out to what you'd expect these days. Yeah. Including the fact that Australia was called Australia when it wasn't in 1899. I mean, I, I, I mean, I doubt it was called Terra Australis or... Terranolis? No, Terranolis was the concept. It was, Terranolis. It was occasionally uh, referred to as like... Uh, well, I mean, obviously there was New, New Holland... But this is way past New Holland. Oh yeah, this time. is way past New Holland. I think yeah, you'd, co- have to, you'd have to Google it. I think collectively see. it was probably just called maybe like Australasia. Maybe that would have been perhaps more accurate because even though that refers to more than just the Australian continent, maybe it would have just been a general name. I mean, technically, you could say this is not set exactly in our universe because it's all these literary characters all put together. It's basically like a fan fiction. It universe. is a bit of an AU. So. Yeah, it's like an AU. It's like an alternate or AU for those of you playing at home. It's an alternative universe. Um, but yeah, it's sort of an alternative universe where all these literary characters all exist at the same time, et cetera, et cetera, and vampires and stuff and things. I have just located a world map from 1899 that was drawn up. It is called Australia on there. There you go. Is it really? Yeah. 
So, mm. so perhaps, yeah, it's a case where they are just going, ah, we'll just call it that. Well, the question is, is when did Federation start? Like all of the stuff. The, well, the get, pros- yeah, the, we'd have to. The look process into took them. quite a few years. The process took twelve years. So there you go. So they probably went. We're going to call it Australia. So let's yeah. just start putting it on maps as Australia. And then when we like tick over into Federation, then it's going to be all hunky dory. Okay, uh, back from our uh, Federation politics chat uh, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> the league. Can you tell we're Australian? The yes. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. What um, was the other thing woman? about? What was sexism? One woman. Yeah. What was the other thing about Australia? Was that the only one? Uh, I feel Sean like there Connery was does else. say after a particularly long bit of travelling from Africa to Oh, England yeah, and, and then they go the to climb down the stairs. Where are we going? Australia? To get a that did actually make me chuckle a little bit. Because yeah. I was like, no, you're going to dig through to China, mate. Like, come on. Do mm. you know how this works? Anyway, uh, you wanted to bring up a point about sexism, Sarah. Oh, you know, just it's a very sexist and racist movie. I mean, there's so many... Look at, all, look at all the Indian guys who were just going to put in front of machine yeah. guns and I watch mean, them it die. Wasn't, it wasn't a promising start when in an opening monologue about his sad and hard life, Sean Connery's character, Alan Quatermain, yeah. says, I've buried friends, black and white. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it, it did feel a little bit like, um, hey, I've got black friends. You know, yeah. it was it was a bit... Um, uh, all I say is it was perhaps not the most uh, sensitive. sensitive to... Mm. Um, to, to maybe maybe how some people feel in contemporary film, mm. and but at the same time, it's it, because it's set at the turn of the century and race relations were not what they are today. It's kind of period appropriate to yeah. an extent, and like the fact that they're all like, "Oh, a woman, she's going to be distracting," and she's like, "Oh, am I distracting?" And then it turns out that it's like, oh, no, she can actually hold her own. Oh, my God. Well, she can hold her own, and yet she's still there as a prop for men. And whenever a man is in danger, she calls her name in a, his name in a breathy voice. Dorian. <gasps> Dorian. Dorian. That said, um, Peter Wilson, I believe, was the actress's name. Excellent Sean Connery impression. Yes. Yeah, she's when fantastic. Oh, just sitting there with the um, the bottles doing that. I was like, that's that's actually some really good acting. Well done. Mm. She was great. It's a shame that the dialogue like, given to her was yeah. so bad. But the dialogue everyone had was pretty. That's bad. true. That was so. pretty. That was pretty equal. And like her red scarf would have been really annoying. I imagine how many doors she got that caught in. I mean, it was beautiful, and I like the fact that obviously that was like her character thing. She had the scarf around the neck to hide the bite marks, and like, yeah, cool. But maybe give her a scarf that's like maybe a little bit more kind of. And do we have to have the sex jokes about the one woman because she's just there to have sex with and all the guys are drooling over her when there's, you know, when they're not drooling over well, each other? And, I, I, and, and none of them got any payoff either because, mm. like, Dorian was like, oh, are you, like, missing stuff? And then she stabbed him in the dick. And that was, that was amazing. Dick stab was the something dick I wrote down. Was, and, you know, dick as, stab was as, really good. As we go for this series, we're I so think cool. there's a couple of things I'm going to keep tallies of and dick stabs are one of them <laughs> because that was excellent. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, but, like, Jekyll, um, Doctor, yeah, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde being like, oh, she's never going to love you. And I'm like, where did this come from? Like, Yeah, suddenly all the men are pining after the one woman. Except for except for the person of colour. We can't have Nero being all like, oh, Nemo. Nemo. Oh my God, why did I say Captain Nero? Captain Nero would be a very ah. different ship. <laughs> this, is my, this is Ishmael. That's a horse. Shh. You know, it's, it would have been uh, extremely different. No. Actually, that might be Caligula. Point is. Yeah, he's the only one who doesn't express any sexual interest in her. Because mm. he's religious and like Indian, to, so he yeah. can't I mean, possibly. Quatermain just lays the groundwork pretty much straight away, where he's like, "I've I've had two wives and I've buried many lovers, but I'm not interested." I find you sexy, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I find you sexy, it. but I'm too old, so I'm going to let the rest of the extraordinary gentlemen fight over you. Meanwhile, Skinner makes like grabs her by the ass, but yeah. nobody else actually gets to touch her, except for when Dorian has sex with her. Yeah, that means that. that. And but then that that fed into their fight, and I thought that was actually that wasn't too bad. Like they were just making sex-based puns and jokes at each other while stabbing each other. I thought that one was. Quite I too good. do that I when like I stab this, people. I feel like this. Yeah, I feel like this sex was kind of unnecessary though. But it fed into his 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 betrayal. You know, Dorian, and I also Dorian turned on them, and he 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 like he. he had relations with this woman and she was in a vulnerable state because women are fragile. Ah. He and used then, her for her body, not yeah. her mind. <gasps> but then she gets to have revenge, so we've empowered her by by removing some of her agency in the, in the first place. Mm, yeah, see that. And my other my other thing is is that I kind of just wanted there to be like some sort of like like either like Dorian Gray in in I I had Canon Dorian Gray is bisexual or yeah. pansexual or something along that kind of line of stuff and I was kind of just like I wanted there to be some sort of 
something. And there was a few moments where we were like, oh, there's a little bit of homoerotic tension right there happening and stuff and things. But like, I, I feel like it would be more interesting if you actually had some characters. But if we had any character this. development at all, it would have helped. Well, that would have helped, yes. But like to have Dorian just flirt with everything that moves would be totally in character for him. Yeah. And like I could. Well, like, he flirts with himself, so. Yeah, he does. Not? Yeah, he does. But like something like that. And I mean, yeah, I just feel like there could have been more stuff with that. Although, again, representation, 2003. Mm. Although, speaking of him flooding with himself, he spent a lot of time in front of the mirror trying to pluck his his eyebrows. Now, nothing about him can change because he is a pitcher and he looks exactly the same as the pitcher. Therefore, plucking his eyebrows is going to grow back within seconds, just like any wound that ever happens to him. So what's the point of plucking your eyebrows? Because he's vain. Can That's I also just say, though, is. they never really, apart from the bit where they put um, Mina in her leather fetish bondage gear towards the end so that she could actually move around and kick some butt properly, um, they never really sort of, like, highlighted her. You know how you know how the camera highlights female bodies in that very sexual kind of way and they linger on specific things and they have specific panning shots that draws attention to the shape of their bodies and things? They never did that with her, which I appreciated, but they did do it with Dorian. Because he was meant to be like the man candy. And like the bit where his shirt just got like entirely ripped off. His magical reappearing shirt? Everybody has magical reappearing I did, clothes. I did, yeah, I did make yes. a point. I think... Uh, was that one of your tropes? Yes, it yeah. was. <laughs> I think because obviously it happens to uh, Dr. Jekyll slash Mr. Hyde as well. Um, I think the Nautilus was just stocked with like 10 of everyone's costumes just in case. And I think if you're in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, that's a good idea. You just assume mm. you're going to be naked every day at some point. You just well, ass- yeah. Skinner is, so... You assume your clothes are going to be ruined by something. Whether or it's an, ex- an explosion mm. or something. Lots so, yeah. of cool machine gun bullets. Speaking of costumes, I actually thought the costumes in this were pretty good. In particular, even though they're only in it for a couple of seconds, the diving suits that the Nautilus yeah, crew They were using. beautiful. Yeah. Again, great design. Maybe not entirely functional, but great design. They reminded me of um, the diving suits that they used in Stargate in an episode set in the 40s when um, they sent someone through the Stargate in what looked like a um, diving suit, which was their sort of pre-space suit, I guess. Yeah. It was very pretty. Yeah, they were very, they were very, very pretty. Um, yeah, I also the, the the whole middle section in Venice though was just not particularly well executed. I no. really, really they just wanted to blow Venice up. Let's be real. Yeah, but not only that, I really didn't enjoy mm. the board game based like scenario of like <laughs> it's like dominoes. You know, like couldn't we have done one with Kaplunk or something? You know, it was just <laughs> it was kind of just a ridiculous concept that's not how buildings work that's not how explosions work it's not how venice works it's not how venice works that whole middle section was just kind of messy for no particular reason and also the fact that they were like look it's da vinci's things of the foundations of another the city. reference yeah, we have Which to is, reference da vinci yeah, yeah. and oh, ned kelly absolutely. oh that's another australian isn't oh yeah ned there was kelly. the other australian thing oh yeah the, the suits looked a bit like a cross between ned kelly and the um the the, the black knight from um, monty, monty python, python and, and Bob and, yeah, a little bit Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Charles Pass. But yeah. yeah, every time they turn up, we were like, oh, Ned Kelly reference. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, again, I, I just keep coming back to the fact that, that, that trying to condense what is a multi-volume series into a single mm. film doesn't help. Um, nope. It just doesn't help. And the fact that the plot had to be explained by the bad guy leaving like a message on a record player that wasn't really established if it was actually meant to be showing images or not because like they showed yeah like that the was random black and white images yeah but they didn't show where that was being shown on the gramophone thing it didn't like if did it's be... like those three D gram um ones that they do these days yeah, yeah. the three D like records yeah that it projects stuff but, but no but they they didn't show any of that at least I I must have missed it if they no, did they didn't. like was there a little screen on the side of Nemo's gramophone or were we just getting black and white images and you just assumed there was a screen somewhere it's in there? there just cause yeah like that was just not good um and yeah i I just don't like a film where yes i get baddies explain their big bad plan sometimes and that's necessary but for the baddies to just like go oh so this is what's happening in the plot by the way um now i'm gonna blow you well it's better than showing yet another newspaper article flash across the screen although okay now that is a trope but it can be done really well and i would argue that it's done really really well and frames the movie really really well in Phoenix. Harry Potter and the Order yeah, of the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. is done really well. It is. 
but which makes sense because it's all about like propaganda and yeah but lines. like that's got that feeds into the framing narrative yeah. rather than this where it's just like oh it's victorian era i guess we can't have news reporters tell you the information have a newspaper instead and newspaper using like language that just would not be used oh god it's no. not us yeah no it wasn't even that it was just quote not us end quote country blamed in atrocity you know it was just yeah. like oh. german evil once again okay yeah. germans are always evil but yeah and it was weird like framing germany as evil when we hadn't had the world wars yeah like yeah that was yeah. that was definitely like because because we're in a society we're in a society which has had two world wars with germany portrayed as the bad guy both yeah. times that we read we read that text as going Oh, yeah, no, it makes sense the Germans are evil at this point. It's like, no, it doesn't make sense at all. Well, the other thing as well that got me was right at the end when the guy was, when bad guy McGee, whatever his name was, I don't M. even remember. M, him, Moriarty. that guy. Moriarty. Oh, yeah. Like, the bad guy. James. James. As they yelled out at him in the first 10 minutes of the film. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah. Anyway, um, I've lost my train of thought now. I was thinking about bad guys. I was thinking Chug, about... Chug. Huh? Nothing. Um... Uh, yeah, no, the very, very last closing bits of the film when he goes to Renner and he basically goes, you know, you can't help where history is going to go. If you kind of kill me, then there's going to be other people who are going to come and do stuff anyway, mm. which kind of sets the audience out to be like, but maybe World War One won't happen in this story sort of thing. Yeah. Ah. Well, I mean, it, it is an alternate timeline. Like, yeah. it, it, like in the original comic book text, it's not this ha- happened secretly. It's like, no, alternate timeline where some yeah. technology that was developed Real in life, the 20th century. alternative universe story. Yeah. yeah. Fan fiction. Yeah, that kind of thing. So in this one, World War One may have ended up happening at a later date or an earlier date, or maybe they do prevent it, but it creates other complications. Yada, yada, yada. Those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, For a good book about that, Doc, read uh, Mr. Hyde. time and time again. Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde. Can roar underwater. And can, and can somehow magically get air into his much bigger lungs after taking yeah. a tiny, tiny breath as a tiny, tiny man. Yeah, like that, again, it's fantasy. You meant to leave your brain at the door. But one, the yeah, the fact that he grew and Physics. had giant lungs. The, the fact that the pressure would have been different on him as well in terms of holding that breath and how long he could have held it. And then the fact he was he roared twice. Kept his mouth open the whole time. And he had no air bubbles coming no out. No air bubbles. And it wasn't... It was... It was, it was very and That's clear. how I roar underwater when I yeah. take a magic potion turning me into a bigger, badder version of myself. Mm. So, yeah, that was, um, that was again, just something we looked at. That we, I mean, did we enjoy the film? I think that, that's sort of what we should really come to, though. Was this an enjoyable film to watch? Oh, a solid sort of five out of ten. It was fun and silly. It, sh- it would be more fun to play with a drinking game, perhaps. Mm, I enjoyed yelling abuse at the screen. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, enjoy, I, I actually enjoyed picking it apart more yeah. than I actually enjoyed watching it, I think. Yeah, like Richard Roxburgh's uh, Batman impression when he jumps out <laughs> of the uh, building yeah. and just uses his cape. There's a few times where people get thrown around and it's like, oh, you would be dead. Like when the car flips over and somebody's inside, you you don't have a seatbelt. Yeah. This car's literally flipped. You would be dead. Yeah, you would be dead. The, the, you got... Uh, t- uh. Yeah, the fact Tom Sawyer just walks away from like being in a building that exploded with just like a tiny scratch in his eyebrow going, hey, I'm American. You know, well, you know, cool thing. guys do walk away from explosions. They do. Uh, but when yeah. they don't look back. Um, and the only other note I had was a quote from Sarah, um, one of the many Lord of the Rings references, when um, the big bad uh, guy who drank all of the hide serum, just the, they have a cave troll, is pretty, pretty excellent. <laughs> they it, had that whole, yeah. that whole that thing. That whole section yeah. was, was Moria. like, hello, it's yeah. Moria. Yeah. Hello, Except they had one of the Argonath statues just randomly in moria like those are two locations in middle earth that should not be next to each other yeah they're done they're done messed up there yeah that that was pretty daft the the mines of mongolia sequence was just (laughs) yeah that's the mines of mongolia yeah so uh that's that's sort of all the notes i had on the film do you have Um, any more sarah Sarah? did you have any other ones i think we've gone over them all like very much out of order but that's okay because who needs order Mm. especially in a film like this yes there was a few bits that jumped and I was like, what? And like as well, they're like, we're going to have the big thing and look, it's this huge submarine and we're not going to show you the insides now. We're going to go somewhere else entirely. And I was like, but we just need to say that we're having dinner. We're not actually going to show you dinner. That, yeah. That way we know that they've eaten and they're not starving themselves. Yeah. Well done. Eat three meals a day. Good job. Mm. I've just been having a quick look through. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is have a quick read through IMDb's trivia section. Yeah. Because there's normally interesting things on here. Um, one of the things, obviously, a sequel was planned, as you can kind of tell from the ending. Frankenstein's monster is coming out of the grave. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as they put the gun on top, I was like, I was just waiting for the hand to just 
and yeah. break out of it and just grab it. Well, they had the mystic shaman making <clears throat> magic over the top of it. Mm. Uh, the sequel that was planned was cancelled due to the negative critical reception and the film being a grave disappointment at the box <laughs> office. A clue to the sequel's plot can be gleaned, apparently, from a poster in the background which says volcanic eruptions on Mars. Yes, which, I saw that poster. Which I just thought was just like a reference to War of the Worlds because War of the Worlds is, is around at the time. Um, this would have been an adaption for the, from the second series of the comic book, though. This happened in the comics where the League battled Martian tripods that were clearly based on the War of the Worlds Martian tripods. Wow. Yeah. Now, I, think, I think they kind of felt the world isn't ready for this just yet. I would have been so happy to see that Oh, that man. That, that would have been excellent. I don't know if that would have been worse or better. Mm. But, yeah. I, that's, that's... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's traumatic. Yeah. Also, Alan Moore, the author of the graphic novel, was unhappy with the adaption being vastly different from his original story work mm. and has distanced himself from any film adaptions of his work, including Watchmen. Um, but but is still happy to like get the money from That's those adaptations. That's right. He did Watchmen as well. Now, see, that, that well, there was... were similarities between the two, stylistically. Yeah. But Watch- yeah. Watchmen was done six years later, and I would argue is a better film. Yeah. Um, and Watchmen Stylistically, was... not morally. Oh, no. yeah, no, no, absolutely but morally. I have big issues with that film. Oh, right. yeah, morally, like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, Poor we... Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He either gets cast as somebody who dies or somebody who's a total dick. Mm. There's no in-between. Yeah, also, the character of uh, Campion Bond, British intelligence director, uh, who is actually an ancestor of James Bond, apparently, was supposed go. to appear. He didn't appear in the, in the text. Sir, not appearing in this film. Um, and was supposed, had he appeared they were going to get Roger Moore to play him. Oh, so yeah. Roger Moore may have made it. He would have just turned up and would have been like, oh, there's your really big Bond reference. And then right we're going to have more Bond references. Yeah, and it would have been Roger Moore and Sean Connery having like a Bond-off conversation. I feel like they put all the Bond references in there because they could, yeah. and like, that contributed... Dorian had, a, Dorian had a golden gun. like, And that contributed to them to it just being a bit more crap because it was like these are unnecessary like I understand why you've done it you think you're, it's it's funny and it's clever and it is a little funny but it became a very one note joke very fast but the James Bonds could have bonded her 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 very funny so uh, as as we uh, are coming to the end of this um, Ellen your your overall thoughts on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as a first time viewer pretty average there's some interesting stuff but I think it could have been done a lot better and could be done a lot better now I would be interested to see it like I said as like a Netflix original TV series or something now I think that would be cool even on a lower budget I feel like you could do a lot better with it now having having done now all of those superhero movies having had things like Penny Dreadful which was really successful um yeah, I feel like I feel like the world would perhaps be a little bit more ready for it. Although I'm not so sure about the tripods one. I feel like there's abs- I feel like there's a sense of kind of absurdism and and silliness to it that might not work. You've either got to go full on silly or you've got to go really dark and gritty and I'm not sure. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I just just thinking about other Alan Moore adaptions. The the other Alan Moore film because he's had four that have been adapted. The first was From Hell, which was before this one. I don't know anything about it. Never oh, but the, but the- that's that's been redone recently, hasn't yeah, it? I I believe it may. It's a have horror been. film, and they some I'm some not, sort of possession or something. I'm not entirely know. sure. I don't know the text, but the other one, which was mm. adapted, and of the three, uh, Watchmen, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and this one is is my preferred one. Is V for Vendetta. Ah, that's an amazing film. Yeah. I haven't seen that. <gasps> well, <laughs> next time on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so okay. Well, the event the cinema catch up call goes onto our list. Uh, Sarah, final thoughts. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen plus one because I mean that's a sexist title when there's a woman involved. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, League of Extraordinary People mm-hmm, would be much more or persons. Persons. League it doesn't of- have the same ring though. We're the League of Extraordinary. Persons, <laughs> it's it's just not as great a sounding. Gentlemen, um, I feel like I should have been drunk to watch it. Um, we could make a great drinking game out of it. I agree with Ellen that making a TV series these days would be a much better use of the text. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it a three out of ten. Um, you know, it made me laugh are, a few are we, times. Are we going to go out of ten? Yeah, I'm going out of ten. I didn't. I didn't star. Should I star? If you'd like. I mean, it's, I might it, give it a four. It's rating systems, and rating systems do have plus points and minus points. So it's entirely up to you if you wish to give it a rating. 
I'm going to give it three Bond references out of ten. Okay. <laughs> Four out of ten. Um, I personally, this was my first time seeing it as well. I enjoyed bits of it. Um, it reminded me a little bit of like Van Helsing, like the mm, huge Jackman yes. one. We're going to that. make this carriage explode despite the fact that it's not a car and doesn't have a fuel tank on oh, board. Oh, when we get to Van Helsing, Science. we will be we will be looking at that. Physics, physics, um, physics, physics, physics. I, I enjoyed it, but... Would I would I necessarily watch it again if I weren't immediately talking about it after <laughs> like I'm recording it for a podcast? No, I'd, I'd watch it again if I was drinking while watching it. But yeah. Otherwise, no. Oh, great drinking film! I think you know, like um, every, every time there's a Bond glug, reference, glug, glug, every time there's a Bond reference, have a have a martini or have like, a <laughs> sip of martini or something. Um, overall, I would give it if we have to give. Well, I mean, we don't have to, um, but I will anyway just to join in. I would probably give it five dick stabs out of ten. <laughs> five dick stabs out of ten. Excellent. So That's a good um, dick stab. Yeah. So this. Uh, thank you very much for joining me on this pilot episode, Ellen and, and Sarah. Thanks thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so uh, for you listening at home, and indeed the two of you next to me, um, we will be looking at um, getting into this. Um, in the coming weeks uh, looking at uh, doing more films so if there are any films that you would like us to examine um, let us know we are planning on getting uh, lots of different people in with lots of different viewpoints on film uh, to come and uh, discuss some of their favorite films or expose themselves to films that they haven't seen um, or have never wanted to <laughs> yes so uh, that's that's the rough plan uh, but that's all for today so thank you very much for listening i feel like we need to sign out Mm. Quick, everyone. Should we sing a song? No, that would be terrible. That would be terrible. Yeah, there wasn't really much in terms of like a theme song for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm. It was just like dun 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 dun, action stuff happening, vague music in the background. Yeah, the soundtrack was unremarkable. Yeah, there was a soundtrack. Yeah, it was unremarkable. It was the no Hans Zimmer. It was the League. No Howard Shaw. It was the playlist of unremarkable songs. I think. <laughs> um, no, that's that's all we have. So uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. You guys can say bye too if you want. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>